Okay, so we're up to the Samach Tesam Aleph. Talalei Rav Lerebi Benichiti. Rav asked Rebbe in between the lines, meaning he had written a letter to Rebbe and he realized he had a shy afterwards, so he wrote in between the lines the following question. If the brothers, is there a lien on the property for the sister's dowry? Meaning the father passed away, the, the brothers are responsible to give a dowry for the sister, we said it was 10%. Let's say the land, and they either sold the land or put the land as collateral. So the land is no longer functionality as as theirs. Do they have the right? Does the sister have the right to take it to to take? Is there a lien on the property that she could undo the sale for her dowry purposes? Yaakov, can you lock the front door? I always have a lock now. Known. So the Gemara says like this. So that's the question. Now they never asked. Is it specifically a case where it was sold? No, just I have people coming in. I don't like it. So you have people. So you have a. The question is. Is there a lien on the property? Again, it affects sale, if they sold the land, or if there's collateral on the land. But he didn't specify which one. He just said, is there a lien on the property? So the Gemara says, He said, are you asking whether it was sold or whether there was a, whether it was put as collateral? That that would be the two different cases. So He says, what's the difference? It doesn't matter because whether it's collateral or whether it's collateral or whether it's it's uh, it's whether it's sold or whether it's uh, placed as collateral, in both cases there's a lien on the property regarding the dowry, and it could be undone. So regarding the dowry, you undo the sale, you undo the collateral, and the girl takes the dowry. Okay. Virav. So I don't, I don't understand that. Why do you undo the sale? Why can't she? Why can't she take the money after after the uh, the, the property is sold? Let's say there's no money. First of all, you're supposed to take it from land. The point is, if you sell all the land, she has the right to undo the sale. Right. Both whether it's a sale or a collateral, there's a lien on the property uh, regarding the sister's position. So the Gemara wants to know, why didn't he specify sale or collateral? He just said all of them. So the Gemara says, If Rav is asking about a sale, write a sale. If you sung the collateral, say that. So the answer is, Rav The answer is obvious. He was asking about both. V'savar, Samach Tes Ahmed Aleph, nine lines into the pitch. He was asking about both. Vesavar, and he reasoned to himself, The reason why he didn't want to write one or the other is because he wanted the answer to be clear in all scenarios. Because he said to himself like this, if I ask about a case where the land was sold, Now, if they answer that we undo the sale, Kol Shekein Mishchanoi, then all the more so than the undo the sale if it's collateral. But but if I say collateral, then and then you say that you undo the sale, you undo the collateral. I won't know whether you undo the sale. Meaning, in other words, he wanted to just ask in an ambiguous way because he wanted the answer to apply to all scenarios, to all cases. Okay, now, so Rav Yochanan, so you have Rav's opinion is that you undo, there's a lien on the property regarding the dowry. So you undo sale, you undo collateral for the dowry. Rav Yochanan Amar, Rav Yochanan says, no, there is no lien on the property. You don't undo a sale, and you don't do undo, you don't undo collateral for the dowry. So there's a machlegas, Rav and Rav Yochanan, whether there's a lien on the property regarding the dowry, regarding the sister's dowry. 
So Rav Yochan, again, Rav and Rebbe both say there is a there is a lien on the property. You could undo the sale. Rav Yochan says you cannot. So the Gemara wants to know Ibaylu. Rav Yochan le Shmiyale had the Rebbe. The Shmiyale have a Mekabale. Oydil Mekabale. Again, you have Rebbe's opinion. Rebbe was a Tana, and he says there's a lien on the property. Rav also. Fine. You have Rebbe, right? Rebbe says lien on property. Rav Yechonon said there is no lien on the property. The question is, is uh, Rav Yechonon was an Amora. Now the question is, yeah, but he was on the cusp. According to some opinions, he could argue on Tanaim if he had to. But the question is, did Rav Yechonon not know about Rebbe's opinion? And he was disagreeing without knowing, but had he known, maybe he would have retracted his view? Or did he know and disagree? Again, according to Rebbe, there's a lien. According to Rav Yechonon, there is not. The question is, is Rav Yochanan aware of Rabbi's opinion, or is he unaware of Rabbi's opinion? So the Gemara wants to bring a proof. This is the only part that's a little bit tricky. The Gemara says, Tashimab, de Itmar, you have the following case. Okay, you have a case where there's a father that died, he leaves three children, two daughters and a son. Okay? So the money goes to the son, right? The entire estate goes to the son. But the daughter, the daughters get 10% for their dowry. Okay, the first daughter is Rachel Leah. The first daughter, Rachel, she's getting married. She takes 10%. Then what happens? Then the brother dies. So now the entire estate is split between the two sisters. The question is, does the other sister who's now ready to get married, does she get 10% of the estate in addition to the 50%? Or do we say, no, you got your 50%, that's it. Meaning, why does the first one get 10%? Because she got married first. Every daughter gets 10% of the estate. So the first one got married. So when she got married, she took 10%. Then the brother died. So now the entire estate is now split between the two. The question is, does the second sister get 10% of the estate? Or do we say, no, listen, we'll give you 10%. And I'm not giving you 10% of the estate. You just take your 50%, take your half. We're not giving you 10% on top of that. That's the question. So the Gemara says, Rav Yochanan said, the second daughter does not get 10%. She just gets her half and that's it. Rav Chanina said, I don't understand you. We take out, there's a lien on the property regarding the 10%, which means the sister can undo sales. If she could undo sales, she gets 10%. I mean, Rav Yochanan says the sister doesn't get 10%. We just split the estate between the two sisters. You understand? Meaning... Really, let's say there's $100,000, right? First sister gets married, she gets $10,000, right? Now it's 90000 left. So the second sister should get $9,000. But the brother died. So what we just do is we say, instead of you getting 9000 and then splitting the estate, we're just going to get forty-five each. Rav Hanina says, I don't understand. The second sister, uh, you could undo a sale. There's a lien on the property. For, and you could undo a sale for a dowry. So why are we not giving her the dowry? I mean, that's how important the dowry is that we're going to undo a sale. Of course we should give it. This was said to Rav Yochanan. Now the Gemara says, Vim Isa, namely Man Amra. Now again, we had a Shaila before. Again, Rav Yochanan holds you, un- you don't undo sales. There's no lien on the property. Rebbe is the one who said that. Rav Yochanan says his opinion. Rav Hanina says, I don't understand. There's a lien on the property. So why are you not giving her the estate? Now, why didn't Rav Yochanan say, what are you talking about? Meaning, Rav Yochanan feels there's no lien on the property. It's Rebbe who feels there's a lien on the property. The question was, was Rav Yochanan aware of Rebbe's opinion or not? Was he aware and disagreed or he just wasn't aware? So this, that's one discussion. That we had a second discussion, which is, in the case of the three siblings and one brother dies, the estate is split between the two and the second sister doesn't get 10%. Rav Hanina says to Rav Yochanan, I don't understand. We take out a lien on the property and we undo a sale, of course she should get 10%. Rav Yochanan just was quiet. 
Now, if Rav Yechon, that implies that he was aware of the opinion and disagreed, because if he wasn't aware of the opinion, right, if, if you have a shita and you're not aware that, like, Ramosha Feinstein disagrees with you, and then you say your opinion, I'm like, what are you talking about? And I say Ramosha's opinion, you should be like, I didn't know that. Rav Yechon didn't say this. That implies that he's aware and he disagrees, because Bim Isa, because if he wasn't aware of this opinion, of Rebbe's opinion, he should say, what are you talking about? So it must be he was aware and disagreed. So the Gemara says, no. The answer is no. It could be Rav Yechanan, in general, wasn't aware of Rebbe's opinion. And in general, had he heard about Rebbe's opinion, he would actually retract his view. And maybe Rav Yechanan would have retracted his view when it comes to undoing the sale. But that doesn't affect this discussion. Why? Over here, what's the case? You have three siblings, right? 10% goes to the first sister, the second, the brother dies. Now we just split the estate 45, 40, uh, 40, uh, whatever, 50-50, right? Maybe Rabbi Yochanan, in general, would, would have retracted his view regarding undoing sales. But over here, there's no need to. Why? She's already got 50%. Meaning, meaning maybe in general, Rabbi Yochanan agrees with Rebbe. If he had known of Rebbe's opinion, he would retract his view, and he would actually say there is a lien on the property. We do undo the sales for the dowry, but he's still not gonna change his view over here. Why? Because over here she's got fifty percent. That's enough. Maybe like maybe over here she's got enough. So it, the fact that Rav Yochanan didn't retract his view over here is not necessarily related to lien on the property because it could be by the lien on the property Hitaka would retract his view, and there is a lien on the property, but he's still not giving ten percent because she already got fifty. If she got fifty, that's enough. So maybe the two statements are unrelated. The Gemara says, now the Gemara says, So you tell me that Rav Yechonon feels we don't give her 10% because she already has 50? So what? Do you, so let's say she, she win the lotto. We shouldn't give her 10% because she already has enough money. That's not fair. You can't go into someone's pocket. The answer is, No, we're not just saying that she's wealthy. We gave her 50%. If we gave her 50%, that's enough. That's the point. Meaning, it's not just that she has money. We gave her 50% from the estate. If you give her 50% from the estate, that's enough. She doesn't need any more than that. Um, okay, new discussion. Um, the daughter gets 10% from the estate. The question is, does she have the status of inheritance? Or does she have the status of someone who's owed money? Now, what's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. If she has the status of inheritance, then she has the rights to the land. That means that she has the right to 10% of all the lands. That means that if there's 10 lands, she gets 10% of each land. Now, if she has the status of inheritance, she's entitled to 10% of each land, and you can't just say, I'm gonna write you a check. Now, if she doesn't have the status of inheritance, she just has the status of someone who's owed money, then she can't claim the land if the brothers want to say, listen, instead of giving you 10% of each land, we're just going to give you cash, or we're just going to give you one plot of land, she has to accept it. So if she has a status of inheritance, they have no right to, like, they have no negotiating terms. So inheritance means uh, dowry included or without dowry? No, meaning the dowry that she's taking, 10%, does she have the status, is she taking a percent as inheritance, or is she taking it as money owed to her? The relevance is whether the brothers can just write a check. No, well, I'm 
I'm talking about the dowry. This is the talk. I'm talking about when when the husband, father dies. So the daughter goes to the estate and said, "I'm owed ten percent for my dowry. I want my dowry now." The question is, does she is she taking it as inheritance or is she taking it as money owed to her? The difference is, can they just write a check? Listen, someone owes you money because you, they, you sold them a diamond. You, they have to take whatever you want. You give them a check. You give them a check. They can't say, "I'd like land, please." It don't work like that. But if it's inheritance, then she has the right, and not just the right to land. She has the right to ten percent of all the land. They can't just say, "We're going to give you one house, take it or leave it." They, she, they have no negotiating terms. So that's the Gemara's question. Amr Amemar Basi Rashisi. Amemar says she has the status of inheritance. That means that they can't just write a check to her. Amr in. He says, "Yeah." Meaning it's inheritance. You can't just write a check. And does that also mean that we can't just give her one plot of land? She gets rights to 10% of all the lands? Yeah. Okay. That means you can choose it. She gets 10% of all, of every land, like every other inheritance. It's split amongst the kids. The, just now the cheshben is, the brothers get 90% and she gets 10%. That's not my question. So the way inheritance works is that she can say, I want 10% Lawrence. I, I, want, I want the land to be from Lawrence, Correct. not from Kew Well, because she, no, she has the rights to 10% from all the land. So if there's a house in Lawrence, a house in Kew Hills, she has the right of 10%, Kew Garden Hills, 10% of Lawrence. No, no but if all together, the total value of her house is 10,000, of her inheritance is $10,000. And there's two so, lands. And there's three. Ten, ten lands, lands, whatever, yeah. So she could say, I just want uh, $10,000 from Lawrence. You guys keep no, going. I don't know. She can't do that. She has the rights to 1,000 from every land. If the brothers want to agree with her, she 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 it it, does, it works the other way also. She she doesn't have that's the point. If there's ten lands, each land is worth ten thousand dollars, and she's owed a thousand dollars. She has the rights of ten percent of all the lands. Now, if the brothers want to make a deal with her and she accepts that deal, fine. You could make a deal with whatever. But the brothers can't just say, "Listen, I'm not giving you the Kewgarn Hills and Lawrence land. I'm not doing that. You're taking a plot of land." In Flushing, right, so and that's, that's the deal. They don't have the right to do that. It doesn't work like that. Correct. It doesn't work. She doesn't have the right either. The point is, she has ten percent. If they want to work it out, they have to make a deal. Okay. So the Gemara says, Ravashi Omar Balas Ravashi disagrees. He says, No, she doesn't have the status of inheritance. She has money owed to her, so they could just write her a check, and she has to accept it. And the Gemara says, Afa Memar The truth is, even Amemar, who said she has the ha- status of an inheritance, he also retracted his view later on. Why? The story goes that they were standing in front of Amemar, and he was, it was dealing with a case where there was a, a sister who wanted 10% of the land for her dowry from the estate. And Rabbi said, I I understood from Amemar, I think Amemar would have been okay if they just wanted to write a check. Meaning they didn't have cash, but if they wanted to just write a check to her, he would have accepted it. Meaning because he, he retracted his view on them on her being inheritance. Why? Because he overheard the brothers bickering with the sister, and the brothers said to the sister, like under their breath, if we had ch- uh, cash, we would just write it and we would just make you take the check. And Amemar did not object to that. Now, they didn't have cash, so it was more just like frustrating talk. But from the fact that Amemar heard that and didn't like say that's not true, you see that even Amemar changed his view. 
and that you don't have the status of inheritance, it has the status of a balchayv. Now here's the shaila. The shaila is one more shaila. The Gemara says, "Hashadam balchayv have the abba or the achi." Here's the shaila. Again, the, the father died. Yeah, she's now taking a dowry from the brothers' estate, and we're saying she gets ten percent, and that ten percent is not inheritance; it's money owed to her. The question is, who owes her the money? The father or the brothers? You hear the kasha? She's taking 10% from the estate because it's owed to her. Owed by who? The father or the brothers? I'll tell you the difference. Meaning, is it that it's the father's obligation and the brothers are shluchim of his? Or is it the brother's obligation? I'll tell you the difference. The difference is when you take money from orphans that are owed, that, that let's say it's an orphan, right? You say, hey, your dad owed me $100. And they're like, okay, they write you a check. The halacha is that if you take money from orphans, A, you have to swear that you were not, you didn't receive the money. And B, you can only take it from inferior land. So when she takes 10%, if she's taking money that's owed to her by her father, if the brothers are just the messengers, then you get the Ziboris, you can only take inferior land, and you have to make an oath. But if the money is owed to her directly from the brothers, it's that their obligation, then it's like anything else. No oath, give me good land. That's the Gemara's Kashu. The story goes, the Gemara says, I'll prove it to you, because Ravina, uh, Ravashi had a daughter and two sons. Okay? So she wanted to come and take the estate from the two brothers. One of the brothers died. So instead of the two brothers going to court, he took, she took her brother and her nephew instead of in, in place of the brother. And the halacha was, he made the brother that was alive give her land without a shvua and from nicer land because it's an obligation of the brother. But she took the but the 50% that she got from the nephew, that she had to swear and get from inferior land because he is legitimately an orphan of the, of the brother. But you see from here that when she took the money from the brother, she took it without an oath. So you see that it's considered the obligation of the brother, not the father. Okay, okay the following story. This is an interesting story. Um, the halacha is that a girl is supposed to take 10% from land. Yeah? Not from movables. At least according to many opinions. It's a machalikas tanoi. I think we had that yesterday, right? Um, yeah. Uh, it's a machalikas tanoi. But let's assume you follow the view that the daughter takes 10% from land only and not from movables. Yeah? So the Gemara says the following story Shalach lay Rav Nechemia buried Rav Yosef. Rav Nechemia. The son of Rav Yosef said the following direction: When a woman comes before you to get ten percent for her dowry from the estate, you can get it from a mill. A mill—it's basically telling you that a mill, like a, is considered land, although it's technically movable because it's attached to the ground. It's like it's like there's like a certain—we don't pass in this way, but like. Um, Whatever, it's not a gaya, but the, you don't have to be toivel in oven. Again, it's not a gaya because the food doesn't touch the oven walls directly, but even if it did, you wouldn't have to toivel it. Why? Because it's considered attached to the ground, because it's a part of the house. 
Again, it's a shaila of how, how far you go with that, but the point is he's saying that you could take 10% from the mill because the mill is considered land, not movable, because it's attached to the ground, even though it's technically, it was uh, uh, assembled. Okay. Um, Ravashi, he similarly says, um, uh, he would he would collect uh, even from rent uh, for houses, meaning he 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 look at the the cash that you get for real estate. He also treated as real estate. Okay, fine. Following halacha, the following story. It's an interesting story. It's going to take us to the next Amid. It's actually a very interesting story. Shalach le Rav Anon le Rav Huna. Rav Anon sent the following message to Rav Huna. Huna chavrin shlim. Huna, my friend, hello. Now you could already see right off the bat, Rav Huna doesn't like that. Huna Chavrin. It's like me going over to, to Rabbi Olbam. How you doing? My friend, peace unto you. It's not going to go over well. So he sent the following message Huna, my friend, my colleague, hello. When a woman comes before you to collect the estate, you should give her 10%. Okay, so he was, tell, he was sending the following message that a girl gets 10% for the dowry. But that was Rav Anan's message to Rav Huna. Huna, my friend, hello. So the Gemara says, Have Yosef Rav Sheshis Kameh. So Rav Sheshis was sitting there when Rav Anan's message was given over. So Amr Rav Huna said to Rav Sheshis, his student, Zil Emele, I want you to go to respond to him as follows. And you'll be excommunicated if you don't say exactly as I say. Meaning, he wanted to send a message that was harsh, and he knew that his student wouldn't want to do it, and he says, you're excommunicated if you don't say the exact words. That's tough words also. The message was, Anon, Anon. Right, not Rav Anon. Anon, Anon. You want me to take 10% from land and movable? Meaning, I'm, 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 I'm responding, I'm, I'm responding. But I want you to know how upset I was, and I had a following Shiloh. Man Yosef be Marzicha Beresha, who sits the head of a Marzicha? A Marzicha is a base oval, a shiva house. Who sits at the head of the table? The oval or the, the, the people comforting him? So, well, you're asking what the question is or why he's asking it? The question is that when you're sitting in a shiva house, let's say they're sitting at a table, there are people comforting the mourner and the mourner who sits at the head of the table. That was his question. Now, I guess the, 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 where you sit on Shabbos, the, the head, I'll be here. Whatever I'm saying, that is a shadow whether the mourner has to move his place. Whether no, whether the mourner should be sitting at the head of the table. We we, when we pay a shiva call, they're sitting in the dining room, in the living room. What if they're sitting at the dining room table? No. Uh, okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll see. That's why we're asking. It's from the Gemara. But, but the question is, does the mourner sit at the head or not? Now, what's the question about? The most important person sits at the head. So the question is, should the mourner sit at the head or should the people counseling him? The reason why he said the Shiloh was because um, I, I think I, I saw that he, 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 said, he sent this message because he wanted to show that like the most Chashiv sits at the head. Like, know who you're talking. Like, he wanted to send him a message regarding COVID because he did not like that he called him Huna, my friend. So he said, Anon, Anon. He asked a question about the 10%, and then he said, who sits at the head of the table? Meaning, meaning, I sit at the <laughs> It was his way of saying, I'm, I'm the rabbi here. You don't call me Huna, my yeah, friend. why is he using an example of Because it's a halachic shayla. I guess he didn't want to give no, him straight Moser. Why is he using an example of I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't know. So, yeah. Okay, so 
the Gemara says, so Amr so Rosheshes now has to has to relay this message. And again, he'll be excommunicated if he doesn't exactly say it the way it was said. So Amrle, he said to Ravana the following, Ma Rabba, Mar my master. I mean, by the way, because these are two very big Rabbanim. And you got the student who's like getting in the middle. So he says, My master, Shamuti Shamit Mandalay Amrlu, Ravhuna. Ravuna said the following message that I will be excommunicated if I don't relay. But if not for the excommunication, I would not say this. <laughs> Meaning, please do not shoot me. I would not say this if not for the excommunication. Anon, Anon. From movable, do you want 10% from movable or real estate? Who sits at the head of the Marzacha, which is a base oval? So, so Rav Anon hears this response. So Rav Anon goes to his Rebbe Marukva. And he says, Did you hear how Rav Hunar greeted me, calling me Anon, Anon? I Meaning he was very upset by this. So he complained to Marukva about Rav Hunar's greeting. So, And also he said to Marukva, Not only am I upset that how he greeted me as Anon, Anon, I don't know what Marzicha is. Again, I said Marzicha is a base awful. He says, He asked me a question, I don't even know what it is. So Marukva responded, Amrlei, you don't see this very like the details of the conversation. Amrlei, go to the next page. Easy What what led to this? Meaning, it's like you know, you, someone complains like to my father about like what happened. It's like, well, what led to this? Like Ravuna is giving you disrespect. Well, what did you say to Ravuna that maybe led to the disrespect? So he says, Amrlei, hachi hachi He tells him that he said, Huna chavrin shalim, right? Huna, my friend. So Samarukva responded to Ravana, Gavra Dulayoda Maniu Marzicha, you don't even know what a Marzicha is. Shalakle Ravhuna Huna Chavrin, and you're greeting Ravhuna as Huna, my friend. Meaning like you you are not you're not who you think you are. You 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 can't you can't call Ravhuna my friend and, and and like within this context you don't even know what the Marzicha is. So I think that he maybe you're not hundred percent on the right. Okay. So that was the end of the story. Now the Gemara says, My Marzicha, what's Marzicha? It's a base oval. Do not go to the house of a mourner. Okay, so you see, Marzeach, Marzicha is a mourner. So, so how do we paskin regarding the oval sitting at the head of the table? How do I know that the oval sits at the head and everyone sits behind? I'll choose, I will sit at the head, I'll rest like a king amongst the troops as one consoles mourners. Okay. The problem is, the Gemara says, Yenachim acherim ashma. Doesn't the word Yenachim mean they will comfort him? I mean, the one, who's, the one who's comforting sits at the head. But who's comforting the mortar? Aren't the other people comforting the mortar? And the Gemara says, no. Yenucham ksiv. The way it's actually written is Yenucham. He should comfort himself. Meaning, it's actually very interesting. The reason why the mourner sits at the head of the table is to strengthen himself. He's got to mechazek himself. More so than other people comforting. The main comfort the mourner has to give is from himself. He has to mechazek himself. Marzut Amr. It gives him strength. That's that's. It's interesting because like the whole model of, of Shiva is seemingly to it's seemingly to like sort of take away the confidence, but it's not true. The the actual the f- functionality of it. He's greeting. He's talking. He's the balabas. It's in his home. And it's actually to 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 to, to mechazek him. Yeah, the Gemara says Mehacha. Another source of that that the oval sits in the front. Uh, that Marzeach means oval. V'sar Mirzach Suruchim. Excessive mourning uh, is is um, will, will come to you. Mar V'zach Nasasar L'Suruchim. Marzeach. Why does it mean mourner? Because Mar bitter, V'zach detached. Sar L'Suruchim becomes 
uh, the head of those that are sad. That's okay. That's what the Rosh Hashanah says. Amar Rava, how do we paskin? We paskin before. Uh, we pass in the dowry is taken from land and not from movables. So we pass in that we only take from land and not movables, both for the dowry, for the ksuba of a woman, and from the support the girl gets after uh, the, the money, that, the food that she gets from the estate. Okay. Here's the following Shiloh. The next mission is a very interesting Shiloh, and that is Hamashlish Mos Lebitoi. Here's the deal. I'm not going to say you because I don't want to pick you because that's like the person dies. But you have a guy on his deathbed who says he wants to make sure that his daughter has, um, that the money's taken care of for his daughter. So he has land and he says, I'm appointing, you know, John as the head of the estate and he's going to sell the land for my daughter. Okay. So far, that makes sense. But the daughter says, I'd rather my husband do it. So the question is, do you listen? Do we say that because it's on his deathbed, whatever he says goes, and we only let the estate be run by the third party? Or do we say, listen, the whole reason for this is to help the daughter. If the daughter prefers her husband manage the funds, let the husband, you understand the kasha? Who runs the estate? Is it the third guy? Or do we say... The whole reason for the third guy is because we want the daughter to be taken care of. If the daughter says she trusts her husband more, then let the daughter do it. So the Gemara, the Mishnah says, um, the, the third party does it, not the husband. Meaning, we listen to the Nifter on his deathbed, and if the Nifter says that he wants a third party to do it, a third party will run the estate. That's Rameir Shita. Because Rameir feels that you have to take the words of the Nifter on his deathbed, we listen to him to the letter of the law. Rav Yossi says the whole purpose of selling it is for the daughter. What's going to happen, by the way, what's going to happen? He's going to sell it and she's going to take the cash and she's just going to rebuy it. Meaning it, it, the whole purpose is for the daughter. So let the daughter run the mother. Let the daughter run it. So let the daughter run it, and not the third party. But this is only true if the daughter is above bat mitzvah. If a girl's under bat mitzvah, and she says she wants to run the estate, we're obviously not going to let her because we don't trust her. So there's a machloikas of who should run the estate. Is it the third guy that was appointed by the father, or do we just let the daughter and her husband run it? So let's just finish up. The, the Gemara is very easy. The Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon. See how this machloikas are man Rav The Gemara says like this, Hamashish, you have a similar case, which is a father in his deathbed appoints John, his, his co-worker, to run the estate for the son-in-law. But the daughter, after the, after the father dies, the daughter's like, I'd rather my husband run it. I'd rather the son-in-law run it. So the question is, who runs it? The person appointed or the son-in-law? So... Mayor says, if she's already married to the husband, meaning if it's after Nisuin, then it's fine. If it's after Kedushin, we don't, because we don't assume the father would trust the son-in-law after Kedushin. But if it's after Nisuin, we could let the son-in-law run it. You don't have to listen. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. But Meaning, if it's after Kedushin, we don't trust, we, we go with what the father appointed, which is the appointed guardian, but it's after Nesuin, then it's fine, because we assume the father would have been masking after Nesuin for the, the son-in-law to run it. Rav Yossi, I'm says, like in the Mishnah, and that is, 
it doesn't matter Kedushan Nesuin. If she's above Bat Mitzvah, she could run it. If she's below Bat Mitzvah, she can't. So the question is like this. So it seems to be pretty binary. According to Rameir, after Nesuin, it's okay. After Kedushan, not okay. And according to Yossi, it's above Bat Mitzvah is okay, below Bat Mitzvah, not okay. So what's the area of dispute? Like if you take the Venn diagrams, again, according to Rameir, after Nesuin, then the daughter can run it. Before Nesuin, she can't. According to Yossi, after Bat Mitzvah, she could run it. So what's the area of disputes? The Gemara says... My benayu, what's the nafkamina? Ilema katana mina nesuin ikbenayu. So I'll tell you what's the nafkamina. You have a girl under bat mitzvah who's married. According to Rameir, as long as she's married, she could run it. According to Rav Yossi, she has to be bat mitzvah. So that's the machlokas. The problem is, nope, nobody agrees. Nobody holds that a girl under bat mitzvah could run the estate. I don't care if she's married. Nobody agrees that. So the Gemara says that can't be it. To Rameir, several should be others. That can't be. The Mishnah ends off by saying if she's under bat mitzvah, no good. Now, who said that? The Gemara is going to prove that's according to everybody, meaning universally, if she's under bat mitzvah, it's no good. So, what's the area of dispute? It can't be a girl who's under bat mitzvah and married because under bat mitzvah would never trust her with this state. The Gemara says, Man Amr, who said that under bat mitzvah is not good? Um, if it was Rav Yossi, I'm Rav Yossi. Rav Yossi already said that. We already, it's already clear from Rav Yossi that under Bat Mitzvah is no good. So it must be that Rav Meir also feels El Rav Meir. It must be Rav Meir, meaning even Rav Meir who feels that after marriage she could run the estate, but she has to be Bat Mitzvah. So what's the area of dispute? And this is what the Mishnah should read. So meaning everyone agrees she has to be above Bat Mitzvah. So what's the area of dispute? The area of dispute is She's above Bat Mitzvah, but she only had Kedushin. According to Rav Yossi, she could run it. According to Rav Meir, she cannot. Okay. It's who we pass in like. One last Gemara. You have, according to Rav Meir, if the father appointed a guardian to run the estate, the daughter cannot just say, I, I want the estate. Don't work like that. The father appointed it, we listen to the father. Meaning, Rameir is a stickler that we listen to someone on their deathbed. The Gemara wants to prove this. This is a story, it's based on a Gemara in Tainus, that Ilfa, there's a whole story in Tainus, it's a very fascinating story, that Ilfa, well, two minutes, that Ilfa and Rav Yechanan were traveling, and Rav Yechanan went to learn, Ilfa went to work, and Ilfa was feeling bad about it, because people thought he wasn't such a big Tamachacham, so Ilfa went on the, the, the plank, the plank of a, of a pirate ship, and he said, I'm going to jump off, if anyone can ask me a Shailan, I can't find the source for it, I'm going to, from Mishnai, I'm going to jump off. So the Gemara says, adding to this discussion, Ilfa was standing at the end of the, 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 the boat, he said, anyone who could find me a Brisa from Rav Chia, if I cannot find the source in Mishnai, I'll jump off the boat and die. Okay, so, Asa Husava, there's an older man, Tanalei. He said the following Brisa, and he wanted to know who in Mishnai is, where Mishnai is, is the source for this. This is the Brisa. Ha'omer Tnu Shekel of Ni, a guy on his deathbed writes, I want to give a shekel to my kids every Shabbos. Okay, I want you to take from the estate, give them a shekel every Friday. A shekel is, let's say, $100. Okay, the problem is, after he passes away, they realize the kids need 200 bucks. So the question is, when he said 100, did he mean dafka 100 and not more? 
Or did he just mention 100 because he thought that that would cover it? But if he knew that they needed more, he would give them more. You understand the kasha? Yeah. So the Gemara says, okay, we give him more, we give him 200, meaning... Because we assume that when he said 100, he didn't mean 100. He, he thought 100 would work. But if he said only give them 100, even if they need 200, you don't give them more than 100. Because he said don't give them 100. Only give them 100. Meaning, so even though the kids are starving, he said only 100, we only give them 100. Similarly, let's say the father... Again, so if the father said, give him $100, and they need $200, we will give him $200. But if the father said, only give him $100, we only give him $100. But what if the father said, give him $100, and then the father said, and if my sons die, I want the rest of my estate to go to John. Then the halacha is, we only give him $100, because it's clear that he's already planning to allocate the rest of the funds to someone else. So they want, that's a brysa. He wanted to, where's the source for this in Mishnayis? So he said... The answer is, this is Rameir of our Mishnah, that we always listen to a man on his deathbed. That's why that price is all fakishif with, do you give him 100, give him 200, because they're trying to figure out to how to go only give what he needs on his deathbed. No, we'll stop here. Okay. It's a